If you've got your Bibles uh, there, if you'd like to turn to the book of John, and we're going to start right from the word go. And when I say right from the word go, that's not a bad term to use, is it? We're going to read the first 13 verses of this uh, wonderful, wonderful book, and then Shabu's going to come and speak to us. <coughs> so, John, if you're new at a Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament there. Let's uh, look and read this with uh, spiritual eyes. Let's open our eyes as we uh, read this passage. Shabu actually was saying this morning, I feel like sometimes I should just sort of read this and, and that's done because it, it says it all. And uh, God's word is that powerful uh, that we just read and ask his Holy Spirit to teach us and he will do that um, through uh, his word. But let's, let's read seriously and with our open minds to him. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Thanks, John. Whew, it's warm. Uh, well, uh, good morning. Uh, well, welcome, especially if you're visiting Canberra Gardens. It's, it's a real blessing to have you here with us. Um, let me begin by praying. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the word. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about you and we pray wherever we are at in our hearts. For those of us who are a bit weary, for those of us who are excited, for those of us who may be sceptical or even exploring who you are, reveal more of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, John. Whew, it's warm. Uh, well, uh, good morning. Uh, well, welcome, especially if you're visiting Canberra Gardens. It's, it's a real blessing to have you here with us. Um, let me begin by praying. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the word. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about you and we pray wherever we are at in our hearts. For those of us who are a bit weary, for those of us who are excited, for those of us who may be sceptical or even exploring who you are, reveal more of yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Christmas is almost here, a week away, uh, and it's also the reality that the year is about to finish. Now, I can't believe how quickly this year has gone. It feels like every year gets uh, quicker. Now, thanks to my beautiful wife, Beck, 
I've gotten to love Christmas. I was not a big Christmas lover. My wife loves Christmas. Usually the start of December, the carols start playing in our home and in the car all the time. Um, and there's decorations coming out. She has a little vase that has little Christmassy smells. I don't know who determines that, but apparently they smell like Christmas. And I grew up in a Christmas sort of non-tradition, I guess. Firstly, I lived in a country that didn't celebrate Christmas. It was a Muslim country. And so uh, you weren't openly allowed to celebrate Christmas. Not only that, uh, attached to that, I grew up in a a Christian culture where uh, Christmas, not that it wasn't important, it wasn't celebrated that much. And when I came to Australia, when we migrated here uh, to Australia as a family, uh, I was quite overwhelmed There was Christmas lunch, there was Christmas dinner, there was presents, there was lights, there was trees, uh, there was lots of things. And something started to grow in my heart, a kind of emotion that I've never really experienced that much. That emotion was bitterness. Because at the age of 10, I came to realize I had missed out on presents, I had missed out on turkey, there was no ham. I missed out on those bonbons with those inappropriate jokes and those toys that could kill a two-year-old. But not only that, I did not have the opportunity to light up my house with Christmas lights and burn it down at the same time. And you can pray for me, I'm still getting over it. I'm trying to live through that at the moment. Now, why am I telling this story? It's not just to sort of warm up the crowd kind of thing. It's actually... To make us realize Christmas, there's a lot of emotion attached with this season. And not only that, sometimes for us, some of us, Christmas is not a happy time. It's the reality that uh, we've lost a loved one, maybe even happened this year. Uh, maybe there's also the reality broken families, and uh, it's just also a tough time. And it actually brings in levels of stress. And when we think about connecting with family, the, the, t- the stress of buying presents for people and making sure they like the presents that you buy. And you don't want to, but there's that sense of trying to compete to outdo the auntie who's going to buy a present that might be better. I'm sure you don't do that. But the idea of Christmas, as we were talking about earlier this morning, as Phil mentioned, it's easy to lose sight. On one hand, uh, Christmas becomes something that we just do, we've done it every year, or something that ultimately we turn Christmas around and actually becomes about us. Our heart this morning is as we head into this Christmas week, um, from the words that John read from the Gospel of John, we want to stop, we want to pause, we want to step back, take a deep breath, And look at what Christmas is all about. More importantly, who is Christmas about? Who is that one? And in the first few verses, we're introduced to him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the Gospel of John. Uh, This Gospel is a very dear Gospel to my heart because this was the Gospel that I read that changed my heart and I gave my life to Jesus. Because this Gospel doesn't sort of step back. It's unlike the other Gospel, uh, other Gospels that we have. It doesn't start with the birth story or the announcement of the birth. It gets right to the heart. 
I want you to imagine it. It's like if you uh, have a, a headshot and a camera of Jesus Christ and this author is writing it. Now he's, what he's doing from the word go, it's almost like you get on a little drone camera and you expand out and it's making it very clear to all of us, including the people who were listening at that time, a glorious, wonderful, mighty picture of Jesus Christ. And to make it very clear, he's no ordinary man. He is God. In the first few verses, we are described, uh, Jesus is described as the Word. This is not the Word like in rap music. Uh, this is a far more important word. This is using a term called logos. Now, this is a Greek word, and we're not talking about Greek as in Sivalaki or Jimmy Grants. This Greek word is to talk about, it, it had, comes with a lot of weight. And the author who wrote this gospel for the people that he's writing to, to make it very clear to them, because there were some issues going on and questioning who Jesus is. He's actually uh, answering those questions. See, back in those days, a, a bunch of philosophers, Greek guys, the philosophers, they believed in this idea of an order in the harmony of nature. And the idea was that there was spiritual harmony and behind it there was order. And what held that thing together was this idea of logos, the word. The Greeks believed in a universe where this word, the Logos, your life needs to be aligned with that, and in doing so, it will go well for you. And once you figure out what that word is, and you align all those things to that, your life, it should go awesome. But people couldn't agree with it. There were two groups. There was the Stoics and the Epicureans. These are guys who are really smart, love talking about life and things. The Stoics believed, well, eh, if whatever happens, happens. There's nothing you can do. You just need to accept it and get on with life. As Aussies would say, should be right, mate. No worries. Epicureans were ones who said, well, you find what makes you the most happiest. And when you find that, do that. Now, does that sound familiar? Friends, that's nothing new. Nothing's changed. If it happens today. And so when the uh, author in this Gospel of John is writing this, it would have blown the mind away for those who are Greek speakers of the time. He's making it very clear to them, saying, listen, I want to make it very clear to you guys. This true Logos is not some abstract thing that you make a list of rules and hopefully you'll get there. This Logos, this real person, is a person. And I think for us, we kind of miss it. The reason why I miss it is as followers of Jesus, we know that we live on the other side of the cross and we lose the significance of the idea that Jesus, God, the Son of God, comes in flesh and he takes on flesh. And Stevie's uh, um, poem was so powerful when she talked about some of those aspects of that. Uh, Christmas is almost here, a week away, uh, and it's also the reality that the year is about to finish. Now, I can't believe how quickly this year has gone. It feels like every year gets uh, quicker. Now, thanks to my beautiful wife, Beck, I've gotten to love Christmas. I was not a big Christmas lover. My wife loves Christmas. Usually the start of December, the carols start playing in our home and in the car all the time. Um, and there's decorations coming out. She has a little vase that has little Christmassy smells. I don't know who determines that, but apparently they smell like Christmas. And I grew up in a Christmas sort of non-tradition, I guess. 
Uh, firstly, I lived in a country that didn't celebrate Christmas. It was a Muslim country. And so uh, you weren't openly allowed to celebrate Christmas. Not only that, uh, attached to that, I grew up in a, a Christian culture where uh, Christmas, not that it wasn't important, it wasn't celebrated that much. And when I came to Australia, when we migrated here uh, to Australia as a family, uh, I was quite overwhelmed. There was Christmas lunch, there was Christmas dinner, there was presents, there was lights, there was trees, uh, there was lots of things. And something started to grow in my heart, a kind of emotion that I've never really experienced that much. That emotion was bitterness. Because at the age of 10, I came to realize I had missed out on presents, I had missed out on turkey, there was no ham, I missed out on those bonbons with those inappropriate jokes and those toys that could kill a two-year-old. But not only that, I did not have the opportunity to light up my house with Christmas lights and burn it down at the same time. And you can pray for me, I'm still getting over it. I'm trying to live through that at the moment. Now, why am I telling this story? It's not just to sort of warm up the crowd kind of thing, it's actually... To make us realize Christmas, there's a lot of emotion attached with this season. And not only that, sometimes for us, some of us, Christmas is not a happy time. It's the reality that uh, we've lost a loved one, maybe even happened this year. Uh, Maybe there's also the reality, broken families, and uh, it's just also a tough time. And it actually brings in levels of stress. And when we think about connecting with family, the, the, t- the stress of buying presents for people and making sure they like the presents that you buy. And you don't want to, but there's that sense of trying to compete to outdo the auntie who's going to buy a present that might be better. I'm sure you don't do that. But the idea of Christmas, as we were talking about earlier this morning, as Phil mentioned, it's easy to lose sight. On one hand, uh, Christmas becomes something that we just do, we've done it every year, or something that ultimately we turn Christmas around and actually becomes about us. Our heart this morning is as we head into this Christmas week, um, from the words that John read from the Gospel of John, we want to stop, we want to pause, we want to step back, take a deep breath, And look at what Christmas is all about. More importantly, who is Christmas about? Who is that one? And in the first few verses, we're introduced to him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the Gospel of John. Uh, This Gospel is a very dear Gospel to my heart because this was the Gospel that I read that changed my heart and I gave my life to Jesus. Because this Gospel doesn't sort of step back. It's unlike the other Gospel, uh, other Gospels that we have. It doesn't start with the birth story or the announcement of the birth. It gets right to the heart. I want you to imagine it. It's like if you uh, have a a headshot and a camera of Jesus Christ and this author is writing it. Now he's, what he's doing from the word go, it's almost like you get on a little drone camera and you expand out and it's making it very clear to all of us, including the people who were listening at that time, a glorious, wonderful, mighty picture of Jesus Christ. And to make it very clear, he's no ordinary man. He is God. 
In the first few verses, we are described, uh, Jesus is described as the Word. This is not the Word like in rap music. Uh, this is a far more important word. This is using a term called logos. Now, this is a Greek word, and we're not talking about Greek as in Sivalaki or Jimmy Grant's. This Greek word is to talk about, it, it had, comes with a lot of weight. And the author who wrote this gospel for the people that he's writing to, to make it very clear to them, because there were some issues going on and questioning who Jesus is, he's actually uh, answering those questions. See, back in those days, a, a bunch of philosophers, Greek guys, the philosophers, they believed in this idea of an order in the harmony of nature. And the idea was that there was spiritual harmony and behind it there was order. And what held that thing together was this idea of logos, the word. The Greeks believed in a universe where this word, the logos, your life needs to be aligned with that. And in doing so, it will go well for you. And once you figure out what that word is and you align all those things to that, your life, it should go awesome. But... People couldn't agree with it. There were two groups. There was the Stoics and the Epicureans. These are guys who are really smart, love talking about life and things. The Stoics believed, well, eh, if whatever happens, happens. There's nothing you can do. You just need to accept it and get on with life. As Aussies would say, should be right, mate. No worries. Epicureans were ones who said, well, you find what makes you the most happiest. And when you find that, do that. Now, does that sound familiar? Friends, that's nothing new. Nothing's changed if it happens today. And so when the uh, author in this Gospel of John is writing this, it would have blown the mind away for those who are Greek speakers of the time. He's making it very clear to them, saying, Listen, I want to make it very clear to you guys. This true logos is not some abstract thing that you make a list of rules and hopefully you'll get there. This logos, this real person, is a person. And I think for us, we kind of miss it. The reason why I miss it is as followers of Jesus, we know that we live on the other side of the cross. And we lose the significance of the idea that Jesus, God, the Son of God, comes in flesh. And he takes on flesh. And Stevie's uh, um, poem was so powerful when she talked about some of those aspects of that. Now, this is not just some, oh, well, yeah, Jesus came in flesh, so what? This is to make it very clear. This author is saying this word uh, is to represent something. It's an expression. It's a thought. And this thought is expressing the thoughts in every being of the creator of the universe, the Father. Jesus embodies all of this. He's a statement. He's an exclamation mark. And when you read about Jesus, when you hear about him, when you see what he's doing in the Gospels, what he's displaying is the character of the Father. Everything that Jesus does, it's a statement to say, I am God. I'm the sent one. And his very nature represents the Father. It's like when you see a little kid, you know, you see a little kid and you see their parent and you go, oh, you know, that kid's cute, oh, they've got your eyes, they've got your hair. And for me, it's when my kids do bad stuff, oh, it's exactly like what you do. And when they do good stuff, it's like my wife. But unlike my kids who are sort of like me, Jesus is 100% God. There's no doubt. Now, friends, this is important to understand. Because this truth will always be under attack. 
Often you will find that people are happy to think about Jesus as a nice moral teacher, thought some really nice things. But see, the idea of Jesus being God actually brings into a great picture about his lordship. Because there's no other like him. There's no other that will come like him. There are religious leaders. There's guys who call that their family answer. Ultimately, what they're saying is you can attain to holiness. You can attain to become a God. You have to do the work. There's never anyone around saying, I am God. This is what Jesus is saying. There's no question about it. He made it very clear from the word go. This Jesus, this Savior, this light, this word now comes into the world and he comes in and displays a beautiful reality. He brings light. Light into all our hearts, including today. It's an interesting word that John uses there. It's actually great. If you want to think about this idea of light, all you need to do is go to the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis 1, it talks about God, the creator of the universe. He's hovering across the spans of waters. His spirit is hovering and it's darkness. The world is without form. And then the first words that God says in Genesis 1-3, Let there be light. Into this dark space, dark world, God says light, light comes in, lights it up, and life starts to begin. And John, in this gospel, is almost mirroring that. He's saying, this word, this flesh, this uh, truth now brings life. In verse 4, talks about him being the light who illuminates, who brings light into this dark place. Not just the world, but also to the hearts of men and women. People like you and me. And when Jesus is described as both the word, but also he is the light who brings life into the dark souls of all our hearts. It's also a reminder that he is the one who comes in and invades this dark space, this dark world that we live in. And it's a great encouragement. I don't know what you're like, but when I see the news feeds or sometimes on Facebook something comes up and all the bad stuff that's going on, it's very easy to turn around and go, oh my goodness, this darkness that's around us. It seems to be overwhelming. It seems to be overtaking. This passage, this scripture says it very clearly. Listen, no. The darkness cannot overcome the light. That is Jesus Christ. And John's actually setting the lay. And you read all of John. He's making it very clear. At the very end it says, Jesus has won. He is going to win. The darkness cannot overcome. And often it is in the darkest places that Jesus shines the most brightest, I think. In a recent article in Christianity Today, I was talking about an ISIS militant who had pretended to be a refugee and he'd gone into the refugee camp and his sole purpose and mission that was given to him was to kill the converted Christians and to kill the Christian aid workers. So that was his mission. Upon arrival, uh, he comes with the intention of killing and engages with some Christian workers. But all of a sudden, his plans were abandoned as these Christian aid workers proclaimed the gospel to him and through that, they witnessed, he saw something amazing. He saw love, the love of God. And he became a follower of Jesus. And he said that he wanted to go back and proclaim that to his other fellow uh, fighters. Friends, what is that? I think it's a beautiful picture in the most darkest of all places, the light, Jesus shines. 
And we might even see that in, in our own lives. I've never, I don't know if you've ever sat with someone who's going through a real dark time, whether if it's dark depression or whether if it is cancer, these things that are going on in their life. And if they know Jesus, there's something in them that says, I haven't lost hope. Jesus has got this. What is that? That is the light of Jesus shining brightly. This week, some friends of Beck and I uh, sadly lost their 21-week-old baby. And uh, what he put up on Facebook just brought me to tears where he wrote, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From Job 1.21. Friends, what is that? That is the light shining in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. So this Christmas, have you lost sight of that? Maybe you have been overwhelmed by darkness around you. Is that become something that is so overwhelming that you've lost sight that Jesus is overcome the darkness? You might be even someone here who's skeptical, you're searching it out. And the verses that you've heard, very clearly I hope you hear that Jesus is not just some cute little baby. He is the giver of life. And without him, whether you realize it or not, you are in spiritual darkness. I would implore you, I would encourage you to explore that out. Because Christmas might be just one of those things that you just go along to. And even as followers of Jesus, Christmas becomes that. We lose sight. And ultimately, Jesus becomes the throne on that throne that belongs to him in our lives. So look to him again, the giver of life. This word who speaks life. Even in the midst of your darkness that you're facing right now, take courage. The light of Jesus shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It cannot because of who Jesus is. And now in light of that, there are these verses in 6 to 8. There's a task given with this reality, this truth. Uh, I love how um, John the Baptist is described here. I think it's a great summary statement. It talks about John the Baptist being, he was not of the light, but came to bear witness about the light. If you want a great summary statement, if you are a follower of Jesus, that's a great summary statement to do for your own life. Back in the 90s, it was a really bad time for Christians. They used to have this thing called WWJD. They used to wear it around your arms. Sometimes, if you're really bold, you wore it around your arms. If you're really extra bold, you wore a T-shirt. Sometimes you wore a bandana. Uh, if you were a bit scared, you'd had a pen or a pencil. It was a bad time for Christians. There was Petra, DC Talk, Mark of the Beast movie. Okay, I'll keep. I'll stop. Anyway, um, but in those moments and those things, what what we what the idea was great. The idea is, what would Jesus do in this everyday life situation? It's a great idea. But friends, in these verses, what sets the foundation is talking about what Jesus has already done. And in light of that, live out your life. Because see, if you believe in Jesus, you are much more, uh, you shouldn't be living a life thinking, oh, okay, I'll, I believe in Jesus now, I'll just wait for heaven. No. You've been called to bear witness. We're not called to just sit back and wait till we get to heaven. We're actually called to bear witness of the word, the light, to talk about the light in the dark places, both in our lives and also by speaking this truth in love. And what an opportunity is here at Christmas. And you would be surprised that God is actually at work before you even realize. This story became so real to me in my arrogance and pride. Uh, Every year, Beck and I try to do a Christmas party with our neighbors. Uh, And this year, we decided to invite some friends from this church to come along. 
And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, you know, uh, the evangelist in me is thinking, okay, how do I proclaim the gospel? Okay, here's some wine, blood of Jesus. Um, I wouldn't do that. Anyway, I was thinking all these three things, right? I was thinking about to be real strategic and how to bring up conversations. And God really lovingly said to me, I'm already at work. And how he did that was, we had all our people there and we have a neighbor three doors down. He came, came along and these friends of ours from this church were there and he came along and he came into the door and as soon as he walked in the door, he looked at these friends of ours from Canterbury Gardens and he said, oh, what are you doing here? Unbeknownst to me, this guy works at a pizza shop. These people actually order pizza from this pizza shop and they were already in conversation with him. Friends, God is at work in the lives of people around you, whether you realize it or not. He cares for them more than you realize. So bear witness. So the question, how are you bearing witness at your home, with your kids, with your neighbors? I love what Kristen talked about this, uh, this morning and our communion focus and sharing and bringing it out. Bearing witness with your co-workers, classmates, grandkids. Bear witness of the one, the giver of life, the word, the light, and make sure it is a good witness. A good witness, so they point to Jesus. And in light of that, in the last few verses, 9 to 13, it tells this beautiful truth of who Jesus is, both his humility and his grace. I don't know if you've had a chance to read verses 9 to 11. If you have a look at this, it is the most powerful thing to comprehend. This is Jesus, the Word, God the true light, the real deal, 100%. He's not a fake and neither, uh, not like John the Baptist who showed that, but he's, he's the true one. This is what everyone's been waiting for. And this world comes in, he comes into this world to light it up. But yet, this world that exists because of him, the people that he gave life to end up rejecting him. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been rejected by someone. I'm not talking about a little high school sweetheart story where some guy in year seven rejects you and you're devastated. I'm talking about real rejection. It would be like if my kids, my beautiful kids who I love to bits, if I raise them up, love them, care for them, provide for them, call them mine, and one day they say to me, I don't want to do anything with you, I'm done. There are people in our church here who can relate with that story where their loved ones have rejected them. This is the reality and weight of it. And friends, if you don't know Jesus, this is all our story. This is the reality that we have rejected him. See, Jesus comes in, lights up our hearts, and lighting up, he makes the reality come out. And that reality is there's darkness in us. And that darkness is to say, no thanks, God, I've got this. And even that, that means even for us Christians, even for those of us who know Jesus, we are tempted to do that today, aren't we? We're tempted to say, no thanks, I've got this. What amazes me about this, though, is despite all of that, despite all of that, this is the Word, this is the one who brings life. At the same time, in one breath, he can say, done, all finished, the world ends. Yet despite of that, he goes to the cross. He dies for you and me. And then he brings in this wonderful reality. In verses 12 onwards, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
This is the wonderful reality of what Jesus does. This reality of him coming in as the word, the light, brings life. He brings this beautiful picture, this beautiful reality that in believing in Jesus, believing that he is the one, he is Lord, not only that, you get eternal life, you become a child of the creator of the universe. That is amazing to consider. And this new identity is given to us. It's not out of self-religious piety or thinking that going through as many Christmas services somehow that makes you holier. No, this is a sheer grace. It is God who does the work. Followers of Jesus, have you forgotten this in the midst of shopping, food prepping, humbugging at everyone who's got a Santa on their window? Just chill out about that, by the way. And for those of you who don't know Jesus, we're telling you that you can try to be a really, really good moral person. And good on you for trying that, but guess what? You won't. You will not attain to holiness. There's only one who has. That is Jesus. And you know, as Christians, we sometimes fall in the trap thinking, Christian means just getting a ticket to heaven. No. There's something far more greater, if 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 I can actually say that, far more greater than going to heaven. That is to be a child of the creator of the universe. That is far more precious. And we want you to have that if you don't know that. See, Christmas is a tangible reminder that length that Jesus, God himself, went to light up the darkness of the world, our soul. They were pushed back. Not only that, then the reality for those of us who know us, who've been sent out to bear witness of this reality. And then to also understand and reflect on how, if you know Jesus, you are a child. If you don't know Jesus, you can actually become a child by looking to the one who is the word, the light. So some some things to consider as you head into this week. Some things to ponder on. Maybe tomorrow if you get a chance, five, ten minutes, chew on these verses as you lead up to Christmas. Read them over and over again. I've got a friend here, actually, one of the pastors, Nate, is very good at writing out the Bible passages. I would encourage you to do that. It's a great discipline to have. And if you know Jesus, spend some time thanking him. If you don't know Jesus, can I encourage you? Explore it out. Make an informed decision. Maybe your friend brought you here, or maybe you want to know a bit more. Come and chat to us, or maybe talk to your friend and find out who this Jesus is. And if you do know Jesus, can I invite you? Can I encourage you? celebrate Christmas really well. Of all the people in this world, we should not be called Scrooges. We should be joyfully rejoicing in what Jesus has done. So be generous, be gracious, be wonderfully overwhelmed by the idea because you have much to celebrate. The God of the universe calls you his son, his daughter. In light of your celebration, bear witness. And finally, If you feel like you're in darkness right now, whatever reason things are going on, I would invite you now, I'm going to ask the music team to come up and we're going to sing a couple of songs. And the reason why we're singing a couple of songs is you use this time both to celebrate Jesus but also reflect. Can I invite you to sit still maybe? Read these words again and reflect on the King of Kings who is the Word. He is God. He is the one who brings light into the darkness and he is the one who calls us to bear witness and now he has also called you a child of him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. 
Jesus, we are overwhelmed by the reality that you went to, the length that you went to, to save us, but also the reality that now, because of what you have done, not because of us, we can be called children of God. We pray this in your name. Amen.